If you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ because of Calvary, say amen. 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 And thank God for it. What a precious gift. What a precious gift and what a great God we're pleased to serve. It's good to see you here tonight. Man, what a great group out on this Tuesday night. It's a little moot for me to say thank you to you for coming because you don't come for me. I understand this, but I'm glad that you're here. It's more fun to preach to people than to pews, so um, thanks, thanks for being here. We're going to be in the book of Matthew tonight. If you have your Bible, I hope you do. Turn with me to Matthew. We're going to go to chapter number 22. While you're turning, I'll give Miss Brittany just a quick head start, and then uh, all kiddos, four years old through third grade, by your leave, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, whoever it is that's in charge. Oh, down goes Frazier, but he's back up. <laughs> and then we'll have a brief word of prayer for the people over there. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I love it. Excellent. Hey, we've got a couple more, Seth. A couple more coming. All right. Hey, come on, guys and gals. You're welcome to come. Check that man's ID in the back. I want to make sure he's in the... I don't think he's four years old through third grade. <laughs> <laughs> For the first four and a half years of ministry that God gave to Britt and I, we did what uh, Brother Andrew and Miss Carissa are doing this week. That is, we traveled with other evangelists. In fact, that was our first, I think the first time we came here was with somebody else, though we met you all, um, your young people, from coming to the Bill Rice Ranch. I think the first time we were able to come here, we came with somebody else, which is a, a neat thing. So um, I love working with kiddos, especially at that age. A couple reasons. One is because they start out loving you. Like you have, they're, they're, they're on your side instantaneously. The other reason I like them is because of the energy level. So um, if, I, if I give out this amount of energy, kids give out this amount of energy. Preaching to you people, which I'm also thrilled to be able to do, if I give out this amount of energy, somewhere between here and here, depending on the day, it's pretty much where you stay no matter, no matter what happens. Uh, so uh, kiddos are a lot of fun. They'll have a great time over. They'll be over in the, if, if this is your first time, they'll be over in the fellowship hall. And after the service, then you can go and pick them up. They'll keep them there until you come and get them. And uh, glad that you came, and thank you for bringing your children. And, of course, tomorrow night is the final night of our revival week. And so I hope if you're physically able, if you're able to, come, uh, come tomorrow night as well. Let's anticipate seeing what God is going to do. Well, my heart has already been blessed by the singing and the special music tonight. Hasn't yours? Choir, thank you for singing. That was, that was great. Um, it is well. I think it's the second verse, depending on which hymnal. Um, Second verse is my favorite verse of any song in the songbook. It's not necessarily my favorite song in the songbook, but there is not a verse of a song that I love more than that. My sin or the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And then we can sing, it is well. And it is. If you've not yet found your soul at peace, if it's not well with your soul and you're not at rest, I will tell you there's a God in heaven who has provided through the work of his son for your sins to be cared for completely, past, present, future sins to be completely paid for 
because of what Christ has done. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All, all, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, which means you can't do it yourself. It's the Lord that can do it. No sacrifice, no turning over a new leaf can you do. It's the Lord that can save you from your sins. And that's what he promises that he'll do if you receive him. So if you have questions about that, I mean this sincerely, if you have questions about any of that, then after the service, um, we'll have at the end of the service usually a time of what we refer to as invitation. It's just a response time where we give time for people to uh, respond to the Lord in regards to how he's dealt with them. It'll just be a, a moment of uh, quiet and music playing, and there'll be somebody on pastoral staff standing up here ready to meet anybody that has any questions or needs any help. You can certainly come and meet somebody then or after the service. Come and see myself or pastor. If you're a lady, my wife would be available, pastor's wife. Um, she may be around. There's a number of people. We'll connect you with somebody, and um, we, we want to make, make certain that you understand what God has said about what he has done to provide for you this eternal life. That's important. So please don't leave wondering about it. We, we would hate for that to happen. Okay, Matthew chapter number 22. Now, we're going to look at several verses here in just a moment. Before we do, I'm going to start off with a little quiz that I have actually used, and I think I've used it here before. And so I know that if you've heard me before, you would never forget anything that I say. But I'm going to try it again just in case there's somebody that's forgotten my, the answers to my quiz. Here, here's the way the quiz works. I'm, I'm going to give to you a vocation. I'm going to tell you who someone is, and I want you to tell me what a person in that vocation does. For instance, if I say a baker, you would say bakes, because that's what a baker does. Okay? You ready for this? Anybody remember this quiz? You already know the answers? I'm hurt. My feelings <laughs> deeply hurt. All right, here we go. Ready? A baker? Very good class. You had 100%. Uh, let's see. A fisherman? <laughs> you knew that one really well. Uh, baker bakes, a fisherman fishes. Ah, here's one that's always fun to hear what guys say. Um, a seamstress? <laughs> they don't seem, guys. A seamstress sews. So a baker bakes, a fisherman fishes, a seamstress sews. Uh, how about a pilot? Flies. Flies. All right, good. All right, so a baker bakes. Fisherman fishes, seamstress sows, and pilot flies. Um, a Christian? <laughs> okay, now this is, this is interesting. Now stop, stop just for a second and think about it for a second, because I'm going to ask you one more time, and then I want you, I want you to go ahead and give the answer that, that you think. So you say, Brother Tim, are you setting us up to give the wrong answer? Of course I'm setting you up. Why else would I give such a quiz if it weren't a little bit of a setup? But have an answer ready anyway, all right? Here we go. Ready? A baker? <laughs> now you're afraid to say that one. A fisherman? A seamstress? A pilot? A Christian? Okay. So stop just for a second. And I want you to think through the logic of what just took place. Now, you could argue, well, being a Christian is not a vocation. And that's true, but there is, there is an answer. Now, the success or failure of anybody in any one of these vocations is dependent on their knowing what it is they're supposed to do. Correct? So a baker, in order to be successful as a baker, has to know that his or her main job is to bake. 
they won't, there may be other things that they do, but everything comes out of or is a part of the fact that they bake. Or, um, hey, would you be interested in boarding the plane piloted by a pilot that did not know that their main job was to fly the plane? They know I'm more interested in knowing if they can land the plane, but you got to keep it in the air first. The point is, a baker needs to be baking and needs to focus on it in order to be successful. And a seamstress sewing, a fisherman fishing, and a pilot flying, if they're going to do well at what it is that is their job, that's their main thing. So then, is there, honestly, is there really an answer to a Christian. Because there could be a lot of things. In fact, I heard a lot of things. I heard praise. I heard witnesses. I heard a lot of um, noise that I couldn't make out exactly what you said. But it just let me know that a lot of different things were being said. And sometimes I think, honestly, I think one of the reasons why we as believers, as Christians, those of us who have trusted Christ, don't... proceed in sanctification like we talked about last night the way we're supposed to. That is, if I can use the term, we're not as successful as we ought to be in this is in part because we may not know what it is we're shooting for in the first place. Or at least it's not solidified in our minds To the degree where we go, I know that this is what I'm after. And there may be other things involved, but this is the baseline. This is where it begins. This is the most important. Now, I'm convinced that there is a right answer. And the reason why I'm convinced is because someone came to the Lord Jesus and asked him almost the exact same question. It's in Matthew 22. And beginning in verse number 34, and if I can, we're jumping into the middle of the storyline of Christ's life where he's doing a lot of teaching. So let me just let you know what's happened. Up to this point, Christ has spent time teaching anybody who will listen. He spends a lot of time with his disciples, which would be the apostles eventually, but also like in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 where he, all those who will come, he's teaching them the Beatitudes and other people are listening in on his teaching to his disciples. So Christ is doing a lot of teaching, but he has some enemies, namely the religious crowd. Go figure. There were two groups of people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were both religious. In today's terminology, we would say that they were two different denominations because they both believed in the God of the Bible, in Jehovah, Yahweh. But they had differing views on several things. So you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and typically they were at odds with one another both because of trying to strategically gain power with Rome, which was the government over top of Israel at the time, and also trying to get as many followers as they possibly could. So you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But when it came to the Lord Jesus, they actually were a united front because neither one of them liked the Lord Jesus. And they didn't like him in part because he spoke with authority and he opened up Wide. He pulled back the curtain on the hypocrisy of religious systems. 
So in what we're about to read, the Sadducees have just spent time doing their best to trip up the Lord Jesus Christ and to be able to display to all the people that were gathered around and listening, they tried to display to them that he was a fraud himself because they asked him questions attempting to trip him up. And the Bible tells us in verse number 34 of Matthew chapter number 22 that when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had put the Sadducees to silence, then they were gathered together. And one of the Pharisees, which was a lawyer, now when you hear lawyer, don't think sues people, but this was, this was a man who would have, okay, he would have had more of the Old Testament memorized than you've read in the last two months. I mean, this, this guy knew the Bible. It was his life to study the Old Testament. So then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, and saying, Master, let me fill in a little bit here. Of all the commandments in the law, of everything that we as followers of God should do, what's the most important? In other words, he could have said, Lord, a baker bakes, and a fisherman fishes, and a seamstress sews. But what's the most important thing for me to do? Okay, and then we have the answer. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Okay. Was this the first time the Lord Jesus had ever been asked a question where the questioner did not have the purest motives in asking it? I mean, wasn't it a common thing for people to come and ask the Lord Jesus questions to tempt him? What about this? What about this? What about this? Answer this, Lord. Okay, typically when Jesus was asked questions where the motive was not purely I want to know, what, what was the answer that the Lord would give? How, how would he respond? Okay, he would ask a question. Sometimes he would say nothing at all. In one case, he bends down and he begins to draw in the sand or write in the sand. But almost never does the Lord just answer what it is that's been asked. But here, he does. The Bible doesn't tell, this, tell us this. But in my mind, I, it's, it seems to me that the Lord Jesus saw an opportunity to address something that was so important that even though the questioner's motive was not good, that he saw the opportunity to give information, perhaps to his very disciples. It, it, it could have been one of those, hey, hey, Matthew, come here, come here. This guy asked a question. I want to answer it. Pat, Peter, stop talking. Come here and listen to what I'm saying. James, you listening? John, John. You guys listening? Listen. Listen to what I'm telling you. 
and he answers the question. And in essence, here's what the Lord Jesus says. And please don't miss this, because if you miss this, then you miss the reason that we've gathered together for this part of the service. He says, in essence, there is nothing more important than your relationship with God. There's nothing more important than your relationship with God. A baker bakes, and in order to be successful as a baker, he has to bake, and he needs to stay focused on it because that's what he is. And a fisherman fishes, and a seamstress sews, and a pilot flies. A Christian loves God with all his heart, soul, mind. Another passage says strength. The second commandment, like unto it, loves his neighbor as himself. Listen to verse number 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Quick time out. Listen, sometimes Times, especially in today's time, in, in uh, um, I'm going to say church society, there is a movement that says all that matters is that you love God and love others. Don't worry about anything else that God says, the do's or the don'ts, or where God says this is wrong or this is right. None of that matters. All that matters is that you love God. And as long as in your heart you love God, everything else is fine. That is not what the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching here. What he says is this, that there's nothing more important than your relationship with God and loving others. And out of love Loving God and loving others, all the other commandments stem. Everything else flows out from this. So that, as we looked at last night in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, when we learned that the work of the Holy Spirit in us was to give us the heart of Christ, which is a heart for others, when I will have the heart of Christ and love others as God intends for me to, then yes, I'm going to treat them right according to the standards and laws that God has given to us. It's almost a foregone conclusion. And of course, if I love God with all my heart, soul, and my mind, there's not going to be any other gods before him. And of course, I'm going to honor my parents. If I love them the way God wants me to, his, his point is this. His point is not, the law doesn't matter anymore. His point is, listen, there's a deeper element to what I, Christ, am bringing to you. There is an elevation from just the do's and don'ts to the heart that's behind it. And here the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the way, in his making this statement, he's not the first human being in the Bible to state this, or it's not, Matthew 22 is not the first time it was made. This has been said all the way back in the beginning, in the Pentateuch, in the first five books, and David repeats it again, and it's said several times in the Old Testament. And the Lord Jesus Christ just puts the exclamation point of, there is nothing more important than your relationship with God. Everybody okay? Okay. <laughs> There's nothing more important than your relationship with God. Re real quickly, let me just let me prove this to you, just a quick walkthrough. Um, creation, 
Uh, day number one, God said, let there be. Okay, day number two, God separates the water above from the waters below. He creates the firmament. Day number three, he creates uh, dry land, trees, flowers, vegetation. Day number four, he made the sun, he made the moon, and he made the... He made the stars also. Day number, I love that. Day number five, um, God makes the birds that fly in the air, the fish that swim in the sea. Day number six, God makes all the other animals, land animals, uh, makes them to uh, reproduce after their kind. And then the Bible says that on day six, God takes the dust of the ground and he forms man out of the dust of the ground and then he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life and man becomes a living, okay, he's a living soul. He's different than the rest of creation. In fact, the Bible says this in Genesis about mankind, that God made man in his own image. Okay, what's that about? I mean, what, what, does, that, what does that mean? Well, it means that we are a reflection of God. Not that we are God's ourselves, only that we are a reflection of God. For instance, we are made with a body, a soul, and a spirit. So there's three parts that make up us. And you have three persons in the Godhead. Why did God do that? What was this about? Okay, here's the reason. Because God made mankind for a different reason than the rest of creation. Now, all of creation was made to glorify God. But all of creation glorifies God when they do that for which they were created. And mankind was created for a relationship with God. That's the reason why... When sin enters into the world through disobedience of Adam and Eve. And the Bible says that death comes by sin, that separation. That's why this was such a huge deal. Because now all creation groans. We are no longer able to accomplish what we were created to do. We can't have a relationship with God. He's holy and now we are not. The part of us that can communicate with God, our spirit died that day. And now Adam and Eve can no longer have that kind of fellowship. Not that God still couldn't speak to them and they could not speak to God, but the communion and the relationship had been severed the way that God intended for it to be. But God was so interested in having a relationship with mankind that he began to say in Genesis 3.15 and continued to say for the next 4,000 years, someday I'm going to send someone who's going to restore again the relationship between God and man. And Jesus Christ came and he died a death on the cross. He didn't deserve to die, shedding his blood to pay for our that which separates us from God. And when we trust Christ to save us, the resurrection power that raised up Jesus from the dead is the same power that quickens our spirit. It makes our spirits come back to life. So now guess what I have? A relationship with God. Now it's still veiled through this flesh which is broken and sinful. But it's there. And the reason for which we were created was now brought 
into the realm of possibility because of the work of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there's nothing more important than your relationship with God. It's the reason why you were created. It is the reason why the, why the God of heaven allowed the Lord Jesus, his son, God in flesh, to be whipped and beaten and smitten and the beard ripped from his face and the crown of thorns crushed into his skull and the cat of nine tails lashed across his back until his back bled and then to be nailed to a cross and suffer and die all because he wanted to have a relationship with you. Not because you were worthy of it, but because he's good. There's nothing more important than your relationship with God. So since that's true, let me just give you four practical thoughts quickly, if I may, regarding our relationship with God. We've already talked about that at the moment we trust the Lord Jesus Christ, we enter back into this relationship that our spirit is alive, our sins are forgiven, and in our position before God, we now stand redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We enter into this relationship, but that's, that's not the end. That, that's just the beginning. Hey, just, just, for my, just for my sake, how, how many of you have started attending this church? Or maybe you're a guest, but you were not attending this church, um, let's say, uh, four or five years ago. Can, can I see? Can I see? Okay, enough. So let, just, just so you know a little bit about Brittany and I's story, um, specifically with our children. Br Brittany and I were married for six years and begged God for children and God did not see fit to allow us to have children for the first seven years of our, or first six years of our marriage. And then God um, almost literally dropped in our laps Seth. So Seth, who I sang with tonight, is ours by adoption. Um, we, got, we got a phone call. Now, he doesn't know it, so don't, I'm just kidding. He knows already. <laughs> Cats out of the bag. <laughs> All right, we got a, we got a phone call um, from some friends who knew that we wanted to have children, and they themselves had adopted, and they said, hey, there's a lady connected to our church. She's going to have a baby. She can't keep the baby. Would you be interested? And Britt and I said, well, let us, we'll, we'll pray about it, but um, pending some tests the mother was having, um, um, we'll, you know, I'll let you know tomorrow. So I called Britt. Brittany was in town shopping, and I called her. And I said, hey, babe, you don't need to come home or anything, but just so you know, I just got this phone call, and they said, um, if we want to have a baby, we can. Click. And so, <laughs> so she came home. I've oftentimes said since that time, if I'd known that would have worked to stop her from shopping, man, I would have been trying that a long time before. So she came home. We, we prayed about it, and God gave us the go-ahead. So I called the next day and said, yeah, we're interested. And they said, great, baby's going to be here in... Uh, I think it was five weeks. Went, 
Oh, okay. So uh, we started, we started uh, getting everything done that needed to get done, getting a lawyer and having a home study. You know, if, you, if you can't naturally have children and you want to adopt, your home has to be in good shape. So they came in and checked it. We had to go to a psychologist, not a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and they just kind of hid their eyes and let us walk through, and, and everything, everything went. It, it, the Lord just worked out so many details. And then we drove from Tennessee, where we were in the summer, and drove up to Ohio. And uh, we stayed at our friend's house. The next morning was the morning that the mother was going to be induced, and we went to the hospital. The hospital actually gave us a room, and we stayed in the hospital. And um, we, we got there, and I, we walked down to the nursery, and we're looking in through the window, and we were looking at all the babies, and we were wondering if any of them were ours. We didn't, you know, we didn't know. And uh, the, the OR doors open, and um, a, a nurse came in pushing a Rubbermaid tub on wheels. I, I can't remember what it's called, but there was a baby inside, and, and the baby was screaming, and behind the nurse was uh, Seth's biological grandmother and came in, and uh, that, that, that was Seth. And basically, since, since the hospital... Um, Seth has been with us. Now, it took a year for the adoption to finalize. If any of you have been around adoption at all, you know that there's the period of time where the mom can change her mind or family can come forward. Different things can happen. So for a year, we're kind of waiting. And then after a year, all the paperwork was done. We drove back to Ohio with Seth and um, went into the judge's chambers. And the judge looked at all the paperwork. He said, everything looks to be in order. He gave Seth a little toy, a little beanie baby, signed some papers, and said, everything looks good. He said, in two weeks, you're going to get a birth certificate that says that Seth Avery Thompson is the natural-born son of Tim and Brittany Thompson. Okay. For us, you know, we had been praying earnestly for six years. We, we love kids, and we really, we, we were excited. For us, man, that, that was a day. That was a day of rejoicing. Let me tell you what did not happen. I did not say to Seth on that day, I did not say, hey, Seth, hey, bud, one-year-old, welcome to the Thompson family officially. Glad you're part of the family. I'll see you in 18 years when you're ready to go to college. Do you want to know why that day, the finalization day, was so important? Why it means so much to me? It's because of every day since. He entered the family on that day, but his entrance into the family, that's not the end. That's the, yes, yes. Now we get to wrestle. Well, better wait for another three months. Now we get to box. Now we get to watch Roy Rogers. Now we get to do dad and son stuff. We're going to go camping and we're going to ride horses. And as soon as you're 18, we're jumping out of an airplane. It's going to be great. <laughs> Don't tell my mom. <laughs> the point is that, that the entrance into the family is valuable because of what takes place afterwards. Okay, just because what, what I have preached thus far is so familiar to those of us who have grown up 
in church to the degree that it can almost it can almost just it can almost just be fly over ground to us where we go oh yeah it's important love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind yes the relationship with God is important but I'm telling you that there's n there's nothing more important than your relationship with God and not just your entrance in thank God for that moment but the entrance in is the beginning into the reason why God saved you in the first place because he wants a relationship with you. He's continuing to say, come on to me, come on to me, come on to me. There's nothing more important. So quickly, four things. Number one, make sure it's God that you love. Hey, make sure it's God that you love. Currently, right now, in your walk, in your life, make sure it's God that you love with all your heart, soul, and mind. It is easy for us, though we have entered into this relationship, and though at times we may have experienced a closeness with God, it is sometimes easy for other things, sometimes even good things, sometimes even ministry, to begin to pull our hearts and our lives away from this focus that a baker bakes and a pilot flies and a fisherman fishes. And I'm supposed to set my face like a flint. And there's nothing more important than my relationship with God. And it's not so much that I disdain God and have turned my back on him. It is more like I've almost forgotten the preciousness of this. And the things, not bad, but not God of this world begin to pull at my heart and my time and my emotions to a degree, forgive me, to a degree that hobbies can end up having a greater place in my heart or my job or my house or even my family can have a greater place in my heart than my God does. And all of these things are good, but they're only good in their proper place. And sometimes it takes a little bit of surgery in our lives to make sure it's God that's, that's the number one. That we love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. So that in my life... On several occasions, there have been specific things that the Lord has put his finger on, and he said, Tim, this has, become, this has become too important to you. And some of the things needed to be put out of the way and in a different place, and some things had to be eliminated. Not bad things, fine things, good things, but they're not God. So I couldn't begin to try to suggest everything that could take the place. But may I invite you, because there's nothing more important than your relationship with God, may I, may I encourage you, if you know God, perhaps just to take a few minutes tonight and just say, Father, is there anything that has displaced my heart from loving you with all of me, soul, mind, strength? And then be honest with him about it. You might as well be. Okay. Make sure it's God that you love. Secondly, ask God to increase your love. Because God answers prayers. 
Prayers that are according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have the thing for which we ask. And we know that it's his will that we have a relationship with him and that we love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. So that for me to come to God and say, this, this, is, this is the request I began to ask God when he showed me this truth a long, a long time ago. Actually, it was, it, it, this began in college when, I, when, it, when the transfer from all the, the do's and don'ts of trying to do everything a Christian should do to, okay, let's start here and all of that will come where it's supposed to. I began to pray, God, would you please cause my heart to pant after you like the deer pants after the water brook? And would you bind my heart to yours with a chain that cannot be broken? And would you draw me ever closer to yourself? And in honesty and earnestness, I began to just ask the Lord that. And I will tell you that sometimes in praying that, God has had to pry my fingers off some things that I didn't know I was holding on to that, that tightly. But there's nothing more important than my relationship with God. So ask God to increase your love. Thirdly, spend the time. Spend the time. Spend the time. All relationships take time. True? Any relationship worth having takes time. Now, okay, stop real quickly. If when I say spend the time, if your brain goes, have devotions. Okay, I'm going to stop you just for a minute. Uh, this is just a Tim-ism. I don't like the word devotions. Not because it's a bad word. I don't like the word devotions because it has a checklist. It, in our brains, it goes, have my devotions so I don't feel badly for the rest of the day. And I'm, I'm guilty of this, of, oh, that's right. I promised the Lord I was going to read the Bible every day. Ah, oh, um, Psalm number 37. I know that one. I think I can quote it without even looking at it. So, We're talking, about, we're talking about relationship. We're talking about communion. Yes, it's good to systematically read through the Bible. So ha have devotions. But have them with this focus. God, I want to know you. I want to know you. So spend the time. And then lastly, live it out. Live it out. Okay, now this is interesting. Live it out. Jesus Christ said this. He said to his disciples, If you love me, feed my sheep, said to Peter, to the rest of them, if you love me, keep my commands. Remember this? Okay, so what, what, what is the commandment of Christ? Jesus said, I'm going to leave you a new commandment. The new commandment I'm giving to you is to what? Love one another. If you love each other, by this shall all men know that you're my disciple. Here, here's, here's the point. Is that if, I'm gonna, if I love Christ, that means I need to keep his commandments. His commandments involve my caring for other people, my love of other people. That is outside of myself. Okay, look, I will tell you that I have been in the place and I've met believers who have come to me when I preached something about relational with God and they said to me something along the lines of, Brother Tim, I wish, I wish I had a relationship with God that was vibrant, that was alive, but in all honesty, I'm just, uh, I'm, if I'm just straightforward honest, I'm, I'm a little bit cold, I'm a little bit callous. I don't want to be this. I want I want to have a vivacious relationship with God. But in all honesty, I, I, I don't. I don't. And a lot of times, 
I think it's connected to the fact that we have a lot of inflow into our lives. That is, we read the Bible and we go to preaching services. And we even have our prayer lists that we pray through. But if you, teenagers and non-teenagers, if you don't have an outflow, if you don't have a ministry opportunity, and I'm not, when you hear ministry opportunity, don't think so much position in the church or in the school. Ministry opportunity in that you are ministering. You're reaching out and you're touching people. You're helping people. Your care is for them. And, and you're purposefully reaching out to other people. If you don't have that and you have all the, well, okay, well, look. There's enough of you who have probably lived around farms enough to know. You tell me what happens to a body of water where there's inflow, but there's no exit for the water. What happens in the water? It dies. It dies, and everything in it dies. Because God built us to not only love Him with all our heart, soul, and mind, but to love... Ah. And what it does is it causes me, when I'm reaching out and helping others, I need more from God so I can give to them. And I need you, God, because they're unlovely. I need you, God, because they're not responding. I need you, God, because they need you. That person doesn't even know what it is to have a family. And it's tiresome, God, I need from you. Please help me to have your heart, God. Give me, I need you so that I can give. And it causes there to be this great cycle of me having this refreshing relationship with God because of constantly reaching out to other people. It's the way God designed us. It's what we were made for. It's why Jesus Christ died. That's why we say, hey, live out the love of God. Purposefully reach out to the unlovely. Reach out to people who have needs. Spend and be spent. Broken and spilled out. Given for others. Connected to God. Okay, you ready? A baker? A fisherman? Right. A seamstress? A pilot? A Christian? <laughs> Loves God with all heart, soul, mind, strength. Second commandment like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, all the other laws that are good, they hang there. They come out of this. May God help us to make sure it's God that we love. Ask God to increase our love. Spend the time with him. Commune, pray, talk, sing, worship. Spend the time and then live it out. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you firstly that you have loved us before we could ever love you and that your love for us is unchanging, that you, your love for us is complete. And you have demonstrated your love to us through the sending of your son and in a thousand different ways. And for this, we bless your name and we thank you, our God. And now, oh God, you've invited us into this relationship with you.
and we want to experience it to the fullest that you will allow us to. So if there are some here who right now have something in their lives that has displaced you from being in first place, reveal that to them now as they ask. Help them to make sure it's you that they love. If there is a sin that has crept in, certainly reveal that to them. But if there are even other things that are just out of perspective and out of priority that either need to be put back in or else be eliminated so that they can give themselves to their relationship with you, then show that to them now, please, Father. For their, for their good, for your glory. And then, Father, for those who begin to ask you to increase their love, hear their prayer and answer speedily. Father, I pray as we spend time with you that you'd be known to us. And then, Father, give us both opportunity and the heart of Christ to reach out to other people so that we can fulfill and show that we do, in fact, love you. And so, Father, with this request, I come before your throne in the name of Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, before pastor comes and closes the service however he sees fit, let me just ask who tonight would say by an uplifted hand. But Tim, I know that I have already entered into the relationship with God. I am trusting Christ in Christ alone as my Savior, I know that I am His and He is mine. That is settled. I'm in the family. I know it. If that's true for you, would you slip up your hand as a testimony of God's grace already having worked in your life? Wonderful. I wonder if there are some tonight who would say by an uplifted hand, Tim, I don't know that I have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know that my sins are forgiven. I don't know that I'm in the family, but I would like to know that. I would love to know that I'm at peace with God. And you'd say by an uplifted hand, please pray for me. Would you slip up your hand if that's true for you and let me pray for you? I don't know that, but I'd like to. Okay. How many believers tonight would say, Brother Tim, I see the importance tonight of making sure that it's God that I love. And in the prayer time that you had a moment ago, God revealed to me something that is in the place that has pulled my heart away. And tonight I, need, I see that it either needs to be put back in perspective or, or, or else it needs to be eliminated. God's shown me something in particular, something specific that needs to be moved. I need to make sure it's God that I love. If that's something that God has shown to you, would you let me pray with you about the decision to go forward on that? Would you slip up your hand if that's true for you? Okay, several hands. God showed you specifically. Well, I'm so thankful for your tender heart. Great. How about asking God to increase your love? And say, Brother Tim, um, that's not a request that I've made, at least not very often, but I see its value, and I want to begin to do that. I want to begin to ask God to increase my love, and I'm going to trust him to do in me what he says he would like to do. If that's true for you, and say, yeah, that's my decision. I'm going to begin to ask him to increase my love for him. It's what I need. It's what I want. Great. Wonderful. How about spending the time? I've not been. I've not been I need to. I mean communion. I need to spend with him. I just need to spend time with him, and I know it. Would you raise your hand if I can pray with you about it? I've not been. I need to. A number of hands. God bless you. Do it. Do it. Just, just breathe prayers to him often. Think on him often. Sing to him. Um, spend time with him. 
And then how about living it out? But Tim, God's dealt my heart about this matter of purposely reaching out to people who can do nothing for me. Um, I, I can see that my life may be a little bit stagnant. My relationship may be a little bit stagnant because I've not been doing that, but I want to. I want to ask God to give me opportunities, and I want to step forward on those opportunities. And you'd say, um, by a raised hand, please pray with me about it. Anyone like that? Again, a number of hands. Okay, you can put your hands down. Would you look up this way? Hey, thank you for your kind attention tonight. I'm grateful. I think probably, uh, again, it would be counterproductive for us just to get up and leave without taking a moment to just seal with the Lord regarding what he's dealt with us concerning. This, This is of such high value. It's somber. It's serious, but it's glorious. It's great. This is, this is God saying, hey, I mean, this is your father saying, come on. Come on. This is what he's saying to you. What a, what a great God we serve. Um, let's take a minute. If God's dealt in your heart, I'm going to pray for you in a moment. If God's dealt in your heart, I'm going to invite you to take a moment and talk to him. If you're physically able, I think this would be the type of service and prayer that would be appropriate to perhaps just turn and kneel where you are, if you're able to physically, and just bow your heart and your head before God. And just seal, kneel down. If you'd like to come to the front, you're certainly welcome to. If you have questions about something and want to come talk to somebody, if you come towards the front, somebody will meet you, and we can, we can chat with you and counsel you from the scriptures. But this is important. Father, hear our prayers as we come before you. You know the desire of our heart. You've sensed it. I mean, you see it. And we desire, oh God, that this would be our life going forward. That this wouldn't be a moment that passes and is gone. But this this would be a milestone. This This would be something that we look to often. So hear, please. Hear us and help us in the name of Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as Brittany begins to play, God dealt in your heart. Would you do business? If you're able, again, physically, I'd invite you. Turn and kneel where you are. Talk to the Lord about it. When you're finished, you can get back to your seat. When everybody's back in their seat, pastor will close the service. But let's do business with our God, our great, loving God.